Hey, Soma family, this is Michael, and this is Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing with others. It's our vision as a church to help as many people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is really just a vehicle to further that vision. We're in a series as a church called Pray First, and we're in a season called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. We always fast and pray at the beginning of the year to stir our faith and our affection for the things of God. We know God's going to move powerfully over this next month, and we want to invite you to join us for 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting from Monday, January 8th through Sunday, January 28th. We hope this message encourages you, and we hope you take away some application to grow in your own life of prayer. Enjoy the message. That's really what this series is all about. How do we pray first? How do we put God first in the area of our life with our time and our talent, our treasure? But in the life of prayer, how do I prioritize my day and my thought life? And how do I renew my mind so that I step into a day really fresh? Last week, we talked about talking to God. We used the Lord's Prayer last week uh, as a template for how we talk to God. And this week, we're going to go back to that same passage in Luke 11. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to hit Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. And then uh, we're gonna, today we're going to talk about talking with God. A little bit of difference between the two. So in verse 1 of Luke 11, it says this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. There it was. He had a place to pray. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray like that. That hit different. Just as John taught his disciples, would you tell us how to do it? And then uh, he said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we'll also forgive everyone who sinned against us and lead us not into temptation. And so Luke has like this abbreviated version of the Lord's Prayer. Last week we hit Matthew's account, more robust account of the Lord's Prayer that you're more familiar with, that you've recited, that you've repeated uh, over the course of a lifetime for many of you. But then I love what Jesus says after the Lord's Prayer. He says this in verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight. Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come on a journey, and and he's come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one on the inside, your friend, says, don't bother me. It's like, like, you need new friends. But the friend's like, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And then verse 8, he says this, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship... Yet, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. A.K.A., if you keep knocking on that door, he will get up and give you some bread. You know what I mean? So, in verse 9, he's, he goes on. So, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you, Jesus says. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, so he's talking to a group of guys a lot of these guys are going to be of age where they are dads. Uh, and, and he says, if your sons ask for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. So Jesus, this is like a, a first century Palestinian Jewish joke. It's not going to hit as hard for you, but it was, it was probably really funny back in the day. Okay, so Jesus, he says, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. I didn't see that coming, the whole egg and the scorpion thing. And then he goes on, verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so what we're talking about all throughout January is this idea of pray first. 
And every week a different angle on it. Last week we talked about talking to God. This week I want to talk about talking with God. Next week, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about listening to God. And then the last week we're going to talk about being with God. And this is what prayer is. These, this, this is there, there's an element of prayer. Like Each of these is an element to prayer. Each of these is an angle. You, you might say stages, but it's just like there's new depths, new experience when it comes to prayer. So we might start in a place where we're talking to God, but then it moves to a place where we're talking with God. And then we just get to a place in our walk where we're just listening. And, and then we're just being in God's presence. And that's the whole idea. And so... Um, for many of us, the idea of talking to God, we hit Lord's Prayer last week. It, the, the idea with talking to God is when we're first learning prayer, we're learning how to say it, like what to say. It's like if you're teaching your kids how to talk, it's like say mommy, say daddy. Jesus is like, say our father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, he's teaching his disciples, hey, here's, here's a template for prayer life. Um, but for a lot of us, our prayer life sounds like we say the same things over and over again. So you pray in the same time, you know, which is not a bad thing. You're praying around a meal or you're praying at bedtime or what, but you'll be saying some of the same prayers over and over again. And you say them in the same way over and over again, memorize prayers. And so um, I remember as a kid, like learning the now I lay me down to sleep. I remember now I lay me down to sleep, which is real morbid, weird prayer. And as a kid, I was like, oh. I hope I don't die. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, I'm stressing out now. Like I'm like, I can't sleep anymore, you know? And so, uh, or God, our father, God, our father. God. And there's like three or four different versions of God, our father. And everybody like, it's like, no, my God, God our father, it goes like this. This is the real version, you know? And, uh, and then I remember like my football coach <laughs> growing up um, in high school, he would always pray, uh, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from my bounty through Christ, O Lord. Amen. So if you grew up in a Catholic context or an Episcopal bin, you did some high church, you had memorized prayers like this, which are beautiful prayers. They're awesome prayers. But for many people who are reciting the prayers, they never take time to really think, just like Jesus when he unpacks the Lord's Prayer. He's just like, they never really take time to really think about what am I praying. And talking to God looks a lot like talking at God, like we're just we're, we're paying attention to other people who have the gift of prayer or who have depth with Jesus, and we're like, okay, that's how they pray. Okay, cool. I'm going to say that next time. Next time, that's how I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use that word or whatever. We're learning how to pray, and that's, that's talking to God. But then the idea is to get to a place where um, we go from um, praying primarily just you know, talking at God or saying certain things or reciting prayers or even, you know, to, to getting to a place where we just get real. Where it's no longer about like a moment that we're trying to craft for family in a public setting or a blessing or, or, or you know, this recited prayer. But now it's like I begin to just be real and raw and vulnerable with God about my situation. And that's talking with God. That's like the, that's the step of that, that we're talking about today is moving to this place where it's God, I'm just being honest about where I'm at. And it's beginning to just pray what you got, just where you are. It's conversational prayer. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Look at look at this passage again in verse five. He said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. 
a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. It was a big deal for them in ancient Palestine. Like if people came over to your house, and hospitality was a big value. If you didn't have what you need, you would go to a neighbor's house to get it. And so they, they do that. Verse 7, and suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and, and give you anything. I tell you, even though... He will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And I love that idea of shameless audacity. And Jesus tells us, you should have shameless audacity in your prayer life. Go on to the next part of this verse in verse 9. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. And I love it because it's this, um, for all my English people out there, it's the present progressive language here. And when he says seek and ask and knock, what he's saying is keep on asking, keep on seeking, Keep on knocking. You need a persistence in your prayer life. You need a persistence in this conversation with God. You need shameless audacity. Uh, Verse 11, it says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, he's talking to this group of people. He's like, hey, you know you're broken. Like, you know you're messed up, and, and you know you're not that good, and yet look how well you love your kids. How much more your heavenly father will give you what you ask. Think about how well you love your kids. Now think about your perfect father who's in heaven and how his desire is to give you what what you need. And so um, this is what Jesus, he says, this is what talking with God looks like. And when we talk with God, there's usually several things that we're talking with God about. And almost all of your prayer, when you're talking with God, these are the things you're talking with God about. The first one is gratitude. So gratitude is really, I'm just, I'm really just thanking God. I'm talking with God about what is good in my life and in the world, and I'm just thanking him. The next one is lament, and lament is is a biblical word, but it's basically you're just crying out, you're broken, you're at the end of yourself, and you just are talking to God about all the hard things that you're navigating. And and really, it's, it's, it's talking with God about what is evil in your life and in the world. And then the third part is intercession and petition. And intercession and petition is you really just begin to ask God, just like he said in Luke 11, I ask God. And he says there's a certain way to do it with shameless audacity. But I ask God. And it's asking God to fulfill his promises to overcome the evil in the world with good. And so those are the, really the three things that we have. And I'm going to break down each of those for us. So when we're talking about gratitude, basically he's just saying, hey, say thank you. When you're talking with God, just express thanks. Just express gratitude for the things that God's done in your life. Because, um, man, there's so much to be grateful for and there's so much to thank him for. It says this in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so gratitude isn't just the beginning of prayer. It's the foundation of our entire relationship to God. It's when you realize, this is salvation as well. So when you realize who you are in relationship to God, oh, everything amazing in my life is a gift. Every moment is a gift. Every relationship is a gift. Every context, every, every next step, every, uh, every, every time, I, I mean, every, every good thing is from God. And so um, I love it because at the center of who God is is a self-giving, joyful, generous, others-focused 
good God who is love, and his love is made tangible by what he gives. This is the reason why at Soma we say, as a value of ours, we say generosity is our joy because we give to what we love. And so we serve a God who gives, and, and it looks like this. The Father gave the Son. The Son gave his life, and the Father and the Son gave, sent the Holy Spirit. And so John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Galatians 1.4, Jesus who gave himself for our sins. And so to give and forgive are two sides of the same character trait at the heart of God. And we need to spend some time in our prayer life just thanking him. Because what it does is, here's what's so cool. God has wired you so that when you express gratitude, when you stop and take inventory and you have a grateful heart, you, you are the beneficiary. He knows how good he is, by the way. And he's still good whether you say it or not. And he's still holy whether you say it or not. And he's still amazing and still gave you everything, whether or not you recognize it. He's still that. And it's primarily a practice for you. When I express gratitude, when I give thanks, it changes things for me on the inside. Gratitude is the primary way that we relate to God. And so it's just saying thank you. Colossians 2.12, I love the way the Apostle Paul says, he says we should overflow with thankfulness. Overflow with thankfulness. And one way to measure your walk, one way to measure kind of where you're at uh, in your life with Christ and who you're becoming as you're following Jesus is how am I doing with gratitude? And if, if there's a lot of room for growth, and there probably is for a lot of us, if there's a lot of room for growth in the area of gratitude, oh, man, there's so much more that God has for you. He's not mad at you. You're just missing out. Like, he wants you to grow in the area of gratitude so that you can experience the fullness of what Jesus paid for. So one way to talk with God is to give thanks to God. And here's the next one, and this is where it gets real, real, is we cry out. This is the lament side of talking with God. So we're, t- we're talking to God about all the hard things. We're talking with God about what's evil in the world and in our life. And there's many things, sadly, there's many things to talk to God about in this area. And, and we're just, we're crying out to God with the pain and the grief and the anger and the rage and the confusion that all of us deal with. But God actually invites that. He actually wants you to direct all that energy to him. And so... Uh, what do we do when loved ones pass unexpectedly? What do we do when we experience failure or divorce or betrayal or physical hurt or suffering or war, senseless acts of violence? There's a school shooting. Uh, when people hurt other people, and the list goes on and on, and the thought is, man, like, God, I need, like we need you. Or the thought sometimes is we're going through hard things and we think, God doesn't care about my situation. God doesn't care about my circumstances. God doesn't care about my mess. He's busy. He's got other things to deal with. I'm having a hard time. He doesn't care about it. And yet the Bible tells us the opposite, that he does. He sees you as for you. And uh, Jesus reminds us that we'll experience hard things. But God also reminds us that as we experience hard things, he's with us. He's the God who's with us. And so this idea is lament is basically just pray where you're at. And you don't have to put Christianese on it, and you don't have to put the these and the thous on it, and it doesn't have to be a memorized prayer, and it doesn't have to wax eloquent. It doesn't have to be the way that somebody else said it who's, you know, really gifted in the area of prayer. It's just real vulnerable, like the most vulnerable conversation maybe you've ever had should be in prayer to God, this idea of lament. And so many people view prayer as boring, like I can't pray. I want to be better at prayer. 
I just, I'm not good at it. It's boring. I fall asleep. And I just, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Say the same thing over and over again. And some of that is you're not praying. Some of that is you're too worried about, like, you're too focused on what other people's appraisal of you. Uh, you know, you're too focused about what other people care about you as it relates to prayer. Other people watching me. They don't know, I don't know what to say right now. And I don't even know what time is it. And, or you get distracted and you just kind of start off in an area of prayer, start praying to God, and then all of a sudden you're just talking about, like, you're just talking about random things. Like, how did I get over here. And so it's just get focusing in on a real conversation with prayer. A way to not get bored is just to be honest and to not pretend and to not act like you got it all together. God knows you don't got it all together. Like, it's not like he's like, oh man, you know, like when you tell him something, it's, it's not news for him. It's primarily an act and an exercise for you to be vulnerable and honest with yourself And so we're so used to performing our life in front of other people, we edit our thoughts in order to present a more polished image of ourselves to the world. It doesn't have to be that way in prayer. There's people in your life, relationships, many of you, that you're so guarded that you know, like, there's a, there's, you lack intimacy in general, but it doesn't have to be that way in prayer. You can tell God anything, anything. And you know what he's going to say? Thank you. Like, I, he's going to say, hey, I love you. I'm for you. I already knew that. And, and don't you feel better for telling me what you're going through, the hard things that you're going through? And so, man, I love this. The thought is that the only way other people are going to receive us or accept us or love us is if we pretend. But when it comes to God, you don't have to pretend. And lament is that way. And so I love what C.S. Lewis says about this part of prayer, this idea of talking with God. He says, we must lay before God what is in us, not what, not what ought to be in us. And many of us, we're struggling in the area of prayer because a lot of times we're laying before God what ought to be in us. This is what other people say it should be instead of this is really where I'm at, God. And then watch your prayer life as you get more real. Even, he says, even an, an intimate human friend is ill-used if we talk to him about one thing while our mind is really on another thing. Have you ever done that in prayer? Right? Have you ever done that where you're, like, praying a thing, but you're not thinking about what you're praying about at all? Or, or you're talking to someone, and you're having a conversation, and your mind is somewhere else, and you see their lips moving, but it's just, you know. And so that's what C.S. Lewis is like. Man, this is, for many of us, this is what prayer is like. Even a human friend will soon become aware that this is what's going on, and it's not what God desires for us. Uh, many of us have built up this wall between ourselves and, um, and feeling any feeling of inadequacy, any feeling of weakness, any feeling of pain, I hate it. Can I be real with you? I hate it. It's the worst thing ever to like, um, to experience that, to experience brokenness and sin and say something, do something, think something, go a place and just be like, oh, dang, you know, and it's just hard to be real and raw in that moment. But what he's saying is, hey, if you want breakthrough, if you want to encounter more of me, if you want to stop struggling, maybe in some of these same areas, just be real about some of these things and and I'll, I'll help you. Um, Psalm 139, it says this, verse 1 through 4, it says, it says, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down, you are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. God already knows. He already knows. And so talking with God Uh, can look like a prayer of lament where you can be honest with God about what you're going through. Because again, he already knows. 
If you're angry, if you're frustrated, if you doubt, if you're having a hard time with a particular situation and you just are you're like, man, I really would love vengeance in this area. Like whatever the case is, the idea is to bring that to God. This is what this is biblical. Uh, there's a lot of lament in your Bible. Lament is normally not a thing that we incorporate in the life of church today. It's not like a really popular thing. Like we're not going to get together for an hour and 10 minutes and then like two thirds of that be lament. That'd be kind of weird for everybody. But the idea is biblically and even historically in the church, there's a lot of just being real and raw with God on what's going on. Two thirds of the Hebrew book of prayers, the song of prayers, which is the Psalms in your Bible is lament. Let that hit. And I thought about it. I was like, why in the world would God lead some of this stuff in here? It's, I mean, the types of things that are in here is vengeance and anger and rage and jealousy and grief and doubt and hot, even hostility towards God. Why would you leave that in the text? Why would you leave that in Scripture? Or if you're going to leave it in, put it in like Obadiah or put it, in, put it in like a minor prophet or something like that. Don't put, but he puts it right in the middle of your Bible. If you open up your Bible in the middle, Psalms. And it's one of the biggest texts. More, more verses, uh, more chapters, right? And again, two-thirds of it are people complaining to God. That's what it is. And so the reason God puts it in is because it's real. <laughs> because it's the human condition. And he knows it and it serves us. Like when we read... Uh, about King David, for example, going through the hard things that he's going through. Other people in Scripture, Job is a great example that was referenced earlier today. Uh, we had somebody lead a devotion for one of our Dream Team gatherings today, and they referenced Job. But I just love this idea that God cares about the hard things that we go through. And lament is complaining to someone who can do something about it. So some of us are real good at complaining, but, we're, we're, but we don't complain in the right direction. A lot of us complain to people who can do absolutely nothing about our situation. Instead of complaining to the source, to the one who can do something about your situation. And so that's what lament is. It's putting my faith and my trust in God, even in my complaining. Like I'm frustrated, but I know he's the source, so I got to go to him and complain about it. And so lament is a cry of belief in a good God, even as you vent your doubt, your frustrations, your brokenness. Here's how you lament, biblically. I'm going to break it down for you. If you've never you're like, I know I complain. I'm just not entirely sure if I lament biblically. So here's, here's the, the breakdown. What we see, everybody who does this, they turn to God. So they begin to pray first. They cry out, here's the brokenness in my life. Here's the void. I feel far from you. I don't understand this situation. They appeal to God. I know you can come through in this area. Verse four, uh, excuse me, not verse four, but point four is they confess their trust in him. So they turn the corner. So they do complain, they do vent, they do, they cry out to God, but they're like, hey, I need you to come through in this area. I know you can come through in this area. I trust you. Let me give you an example. Psalm 13, verses 1 through 6. David says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And some of us are there where you're in a, you're in a dry season. You're in the dark night of the soul. You just feel far from God. And the thought is, how long am I going to have to wait on this I need to hear from you. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? I'm losing. Look on me and answer me, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes. And so this is where he begins to appeal to God. God, would you bring light to my eyes? Uh, and, or, 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 um, will or will sleep in death, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I, and he says this, verse 5, he turns the corner. I trust in your unfailing love. 
My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And again, I just think it's, it's so cool that we can go to God with hard things. And the way that we do it is we still need to do it with an element of trust in who he is. And so Lament is saying life is hard, pain is real, and God desires that you bring all of that to him. Because otherwise, if, if you're not complaining to God, you are just like venting emotionally to everyone around you, spouse, coworkers, all these kinds of people. You're basically doing it to everybody else. And God's like, hey, we just bring all that to the source and watch, watch how it hits different. So he starts off, he says, hey, I want you to express thanks. I want you to express gratitude. That does something for you. Because for the people in your life and for my life, people who express thanks to me, you know when you get like a thank you card or you get a phone call or you get a follow-up or you get, you know how it hits a little bit different? And it just does something for that person. That relationship is like, wow, wow, they love me. Wow, that's cool that they followed up in that way. That's awesome. And in the same way, for people who are in your life who cry out to you and are real vulnerable with you, you want to do for them. Isn't it funny? The, the, people, the people who cry out, the people who are like, I'm at the end of myself and I don't know what to do. I need help. Are the people who get help. And, and then here's the third one. He says, I need you to ask. I need you to ask. Petition and intercession. So, in big words, but petition is basically you're just asking God on your behalf. Like, these are things that I need. And a lot of us are really good at that. Like, a lot of us are doing great in that area when it comes to prayer life. We're like, here's all the things I need. So, you're good at petition. But intercession is when you pray and you ask God for other people. Sometimes when they don't even know you're asking a lot of times when they can't believe for it or ask for themselves, you're interceding on other people's behalf. And Jesus says, ask, just ask. What are we doing? You're leaving so much on the table. Matthew 7, uh, and it shows up elsewhere. But Jesus' command, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so Jesus, he always asks, if you'll read your, the gospel accounts of Christ, when he interacts with people who need a, a miracle or a breakthrough, a healing or something like that, he asks this question a lot of times. He'll say, what do you want me to do for you? This is Mark 10, 51, for example. What do you want me to do for you? Which I think is a great question because he already knows. Like blind man walks up with his friend, you know what I mean? He walks up and Jesus is like, what do you want me to do for you? It's like, He's blind. So, but, but he's not, it's, he, know, he knows that. He just wants him to say it. And so God already knows your situation, but he's asking the question. Imagine the Lord was right here right now, looking you in the eyes and asking you this question, what do you want me to do for you? What would you ask? And would you have, as he suggests we should, shameless audacity? Oh, I love that word shameless audacity. Like, I feel like a lot of our prayers are real soft, real careful, real, real, okay, Lord, I just, oh, I just would like enough. You know what I mean? If I could just have enough, Lord, that would be great. If I could just get a biscuit and a place to lay my head, and if I get a job, you know, if I could just, like, you know, live a decent life, and I'm not asking for 100 years, you know what I mean? Give me, give me, give me 78, give me something like that. I don't know, but, like, we just, our prayers are like, and instead, Jesus is like, hey, would you ask with shameless audacity, again, not selfish prayers, but kingdom-oriented prayers, and then watch God move in a powerful way. But we've got to learn to ask. This is, this is um, Spurgeon. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. 
It's the rule. And so, again, if you have people in your life who are really grateful, who express thanks to you, you want to do for them. If you have people in your life who are crying out at the end of themselves who are broken, you want to help them. If you have people in your life who ask you, and even more importantly, who ask you over and over and over again, you're like, okay, right? And so Jesus is saying, hey, this is the way forward. This is breakthrough is we got to learn how to ask. And then Jesus teaches us specifically to ask in his name, right? So, so what he's saying, Paul, Paul says we're hidden in Christ. We're baptized in Jesus. And so prayer or asking in Jesus' name is to invoke our status as a believer in Jesus, and so to pray in Jesus' name means we enter in to, I mean, basically we enter in uh, to the throne room with God's favor because of what Jesus has done. And we invoke the name that opens every door. We, we talked about this last week with the Lord's Prayer. But the whole idea is to pray in his name and not just tag in Jesus' name on the end of a prayer, but prayer in, just pray thinking about Jesus. What would Jesus want from me? What, I mean, who is Jesus? And so we need to be thinking about Praying in alignment with who God is. And, and if, you play, if you pay close attention to the prayers of Christ, there's other examples in Scripture, Moses, Paul. But um, they don't pray about the problems they have as much as the promises for their situation. That's what they pray. They're not focused on the problems. They're praying about the promises that God has already given them. And that's what they're praying about. So they're praying in alignment with who God is. So, yes, I'm going through this hard thing, whatever this hard thing is. But God, here's what you said about me. And here's what you believe. Here's what you want for your child. And then they insert that into whatever their situation is. And so they tell their circumstances and their relational brokenness and their poverty and their sickness and all the things that they're going through. They tell that the promises of God. And that's how they pray. And they're asking God. But at the same time, they're claiming God's promises And so we live in an already not yet kingdom and intercessory prayer or praying for others is the work of dragging the future into the present with shameless audacity and believing that God can do anything. And so uh, your life is going in one direction. My life is going in one direction. And because somebody intercedes, boom, he pulls the future into the present and we experience the taste of heaven. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God is that one day when Jesus returns, we experience new heaven, new earth, new creation. But right now, through intercessory prayer, through asking God to do what only God can do, he pulls a bit of that down into our situation at work, with family, with friends, whatever. And it's just the taste of heaven. But, man, it tastes good. And so the idea is ask so we can experience more of that. And so uh, it's, it's important for us as followers of Jesus because everything is, a, everything is about this, and I've already mentioned it, but it's just like the language of the kingdom. It's just this idea of asking. If you think about our relationship with God, if you think about our moment of salvation, if you think about how you met Jesus, and you think about the things that we believe as followers of Jesus, that, that he lived a perfect life, that he died in our place, that he rose again, that God defeated death, hell, and the grave, and you and I get to experience an eternity with Christ because of what Jesus did. Think about the things that we believe, and then when it comes to prayer and when it comes to asking God to intervene on our behalf, it's like he can't get you a job? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like he, can't, like he can't heal your marriage, and he can't help you, uh, you know, with that area of addiction. He can't free you from that. He can't rob you of depression. 
He can't heal your sickness. Like boxing God in is like the most unhealthiest thing to do instead of reminding myself, oh, yeah, the gospel. Oh, yeah, God can do anything. And in Christ, I have every victory. So even if he doesn't answer my prayer the way that I want him to answer my prayer, he can answer my prayer. And you have to have shameless audacity as you approach him. Because some of us have just kind of like, shameless audacity means like there's people, I know people, uh, friends, people that I know that prayed for a spouse for like 17 years for them to come to Christ before they came to Christ. (laughs) Keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep showing up. And keep believing that God can do anything. And when, when you don't understand and when it is hard and when you're frustrated or when you're like at the end of yourself, tell them. Just begin to begin to, to share and lament. And so the question uh, for all of us is like, do we actually believe that our prayers make a difference? Because I have to put like a key ingredient in all of this is my faith. Hebrews tells us, man, God moves in, in powerful ways, but it's by faith alone that we experience salvation. It's by faith alone that we experience whatever God has for us. If you experience freedom, it's by faith alone. If you experience purpose, it's by faith alone. If a miraculous thing happens in your life, by faith alone. It's by, and so prayer is the same, same thing when it comes to our prayer life. And so we talked about the Lord's Prayer last week. And when Jesus tells his followers to pray, he says, pray this way, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven which says two things. Currently, it's not the way that God wants it to be. And prayer changes things. Otherwise, why would he say it? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means we have work to do in the area of praying for and believing for other people in our lives and for ourselves, because it's not as he wants it to be And Jesus tells us, if you do this, you'll experience more of him. But you have to ask. And so I want you to stop and think about your own own prayer life. Do I express gratitude? Do I write that thank you card to God? Do I ever circle back and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for my marriage. God, thank you for my kid. God, thank you for provision. Thank you for this job. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for another day. Thank you for the small things. I mean, thank you. And then as you thank him, you experience more. And then when it it comes to lament, you're going through a hard season of your life. And you cry out to God. And he hears you. And he goes, they need what I have to offer. I'm going to help them. Why? Because they cried out to me. They asked me, and they kept asking me. I'm going to answer. And so this is what, um, I believe this is talking with God. It's just being real, raw, vulnerable. And this includes, I believe, um, all the things we've talked about. If many of you are navigating hard things right now and you need some kind of breakthrough in that area and you really just have to get honest with God and yourself and just be like, I'm tired of pretending and I'm, I'm tired of saying the same things with little traction because it's just not honest. I'm just not honest with myself or God and I'm ready to get honest with him and I'm ready to talk with him. 
And, there, and you may be here and you, you've never had a moment where you went all in and you begin that conversation and you surrendered your life to Christ. And if that's you, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. I'd love to lead us all in a prayer as we close, as we think about how this, ask the Holy Spirit, God, how am I doing in that area of thanksgiving? How am I doing in that area of lament? How am I doing that in that area of petition and intercession? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the gift of prayer that right now you hear us. And you tell us in your word, God, you know our thoughts, you know our actions before they happen. You know what we're going to say before it's on the tip of our tongue. And you see us. But God, you also hear our prayers. That moment where we finally humble ourselves and we surrender our life. That moment where we lay it all down and we decide to get real and vulnerable and honest with you about our situation. So would you begin to think right now about your situation? Is there an area of thanks? Is there an area of gratitude you need to express? Is there hard things you're going through, broken things you're going through? And you're just tired of pretending, tired of just flying on autopilot. You're ready for breakthrough, and you decide to get real and vulnerable with God. Are there things you need to ask for? Petition, intercession. God, be praying for the people in your life that desperately need to know him. If you're here and you've never started a conversation with God, it, you, you just don't have an ongoing conversation. You don't have a relationship. It's not like you're talking to him and he's talking back. You've done religious things you know about Jesus, but you're just ready to go all in. You feel far from God and you know, I, I want to get close. I want to hear him. I want him to speak and I want to understand what he's saying to be able to apply it to my life. If you're here today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, we've already celebrated in communion the fact that Christ has already done everything on our behalf to experience salvation, forgiveness of sins. God extends grace to you, and he desires that you would be in a relationship with him. He desires that you would be in eternity with him in heaven. But we have to have a moment where we surrender our lives to him, where we get humbled. And so if that's you today, with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we're praying right now, if that's you and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I'm ready to come home, I'm ready to surrender, I feel far from God, I need, I need what he has to offer. If that's you, would you just lift your hand in the room and just say, that's me, I know I need that. I know I need everything that Jesus paid for. Amen. Is there anybody else? You just take a minute and just say, I know I need that. I know what God has, I know I need what Jesus paid for. Awesome. Right where you're at, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I love you. I'm so grateful for what you've done on my behalf. I'm so grateful that you laid your life down, God, and that you rose from the grave so that I could experience this moment, so that you could be my high priest, so that I would no longer need, there'll be no gap between me and God the Father, but I can commune and I can pray and I can talk. God, I can express my thanks directly. God, I can tell you what's hard in my life and cry out. And I can also ask you, there's no gap. And so thank you. I take my sins past, present, and future. I laid them at your feet. God, would you leave me moving forward? God, thank you for saving me. And thank you for redeeming me. And thank you for putting purpose on my life. And God, help me to experience the joy that you paid for, the freedom that you paid for moving forward. Would you lead me by your word and by your spirit? And God, for us as your church, would you continue to do the same? Would you continue to do what only you can do? And, and I pray that... Um, today and just this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting that we would lean in. Would you give us the courage of conviction? God, would you give us the, uh, the will to do what pleases you? The desire to do what pleases you and just spend time with you and pray first and then 
And then God, give us over to, to miraculous things. Give us over to testimonies and, and amazing stories of your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, we love you. We celebrate you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Church, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship together. Team's going to lead us. Let's sing to Jesus.